Hi everyone, it's Tim here from the PC Gamer Podcast, and we're going to talk about some PC games for around about an hour, which will eventually be two hours. Uh, joining us in the studio today is uh, the hairiest man in PC gaming. Actually, no, you, shit, you've uh, shaved your beard. I have. I've, I've not completely off. I've shortened it. Okay. And got my hair cut last week as well. Slightly less hairiest man mm. on in PC gaming, Graham Smith. Handsomest man. Handsomest man. Uh, <laughs> he's our deputy editor. Hello, Graham. Hello. Hello. And there's Tom Francis. Yep, among the least hairy men after you, I think, Tim. Yes. Uh, the unusually muscly Tom Francis. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, thank you. <laughs> and um, Chris Thurston, who is a, a staff writer and intern type person. Also <laughs> quite hairy when it gets his shirt off. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> but I did recently shave my face. Yes. <laughs> yep. And got your haircut as well. Indeed, yeah. I just got my grey. Oh, yeah, you haven't and got that's a beard. hair watch for this one. Tim has just noticed I haven't got a beard after I've been, a I've week. Been wondering what, <laughs> I've been literally much more respectable somehow. I've been wondering what has changed about your face for, yeah, for about a week. <laughs> well, what you should do, Tim, is compare me to Graham and just highlight the important differences. I like PC Gamer for its incisive analytical skills. <laughs> <laughs> I like Tim for how little he looks at my face. Yeah. <laughs> So um, we talk about PC games and we make a magazine about PC games, we make a website about PC games, we tweet about PC games and we also podcast about PC games. So let's podcast about PC games. And uh, let's talk a little bit about what we're playing because uh, we have a kind of varied bunch of uh, games to talk about. Uh, Graham, you mentioned a game that I hadn't really heard about uh, just before we started called Brogue. Brogue is a roguelike. It's like Rogue. You, <laughs> it's ASCII. Are there any shoes in it? (laughs) (laughs) It's. I really hate the term roguelike. I wish there was a better name for it. But you're crawling through a dungeon, fighting monsters. It's ASCII graphics. Um, What's cool about Brogue is that it's very simple. Um, The scale system in these games is often quite complicated. This simplifies it so the only thing you have to worry about is strength. And strength dictates how heavy an object you can pick up and how hard you can swing it. And and then it's all mouse controlled as well, which makes it easy to. So does that mean there are no wizards? There are wizards. There are, I think, goblin wizards. Oh, but you find them. You, you can, can't fight you as can, a wizard. You, you can't fight up, as a wizard. You can find a wand and then cast yeah, it. Yeah, you, okay. you can pick up wands and you can, you've got potions and stuff like that. Okay. And that's the thing that I'm enjoying in it most is so, that you can, say, to give an example, be walking through, find some kobolds guarding a cage with a monkey inside, kill the kobolds, free the monkey, and the monkey becomes your friend and he'll follow you around and fight with you. Is that why it's called, it's called bro? <laughs> I hope so. I, I like to pretend that it is. But then you cast a potion, not knowing what it does, and it turns out that it's a potion of confusion. And then your controls get randomized, and you're walking around bumping into walls, and your monkey scratches at you because you're confused. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you, there's. Um, so the potion system is really cool. You find potions uh, all over the place, but it just tells you what color they are. So this is a puce potion, and this is a purple potion. The only way you can, there are two ways you can find out what it does. You can drink it, or you can throw it at someone. <laughs> and so I tend to throw them at people because I'm thinking, well, it does something bad. I want to find that out from them. Yeah, um, well, it, Tom's method seems kind of slightly more sensible than yours. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes, sometimes it's like you throw it at the three goblins chasing you, and it multiplies them. So now that there's six goblins chasing you and stuff like <laughs> well, that. I haven't heard that yet. But it did. Uh, I was fighting a uh, a kobold or something, and I wanted to just test what this potion did. Uh, threw it at him, and it just like destroyed the world for like 10 squares around him like just took out all the walls the floor him everything else and so I fell down like three floors to a lower floor of the dungeon um, and down there got attacked by some horrible monster I'd never seen before and as I was trying to run away from him I found I discovered a dart trap in the wall and uh, that could shoot me so I was trying to back away from the dart trap ran into this other monster who was definitely going to kill me so I threw another potion that I didn't know what it did 
and that was a potion of confuse, <laughs> which creates it hit the guy, and I think it was a an orc or something. Um, hit the orc and confused him, and so he had like he could. It was much harder for him to hit me, and uh, I had, suddenly had an edge in the fight. So I thought, okay, I'll, maybe I'll fight him. So this is the only way out. Otherwise, I've got to go past this arrow trap. And so I tried attacking him, and of course, the confused cloud expanded to engulf me as well, and uh, that meant I just there's no way to know which direction you're going to go it's like it's reversed sometimes and then other times it's normal and then other times it's just rotated or something and so for the next like must be about 25 turns i just tried to run away from the start trap and ended up running into it then i'd run away in a different direction and it'd still be in its line of fire and then i'd run back literally i didn't move more than two squares in this whole time <laughs> I'm just going backwards and forwards up and down backwards and forwards up and down being shot every turn with arrows just <laughs> ah, 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 ah. and no matter which thing I thought it was going to be like even if I just pressed the same key eight times in a row the controls would change so that I was going back forwards back forwards back forwards and so, uh, uh, yeah I died <laughs> hey, so Brogue it's a uh, do you buy it? You no it's, it's free you can download it okay. um, we wrote about it on pcgamer.com you should just search our site for Brogue so you also mentioned you were playing X-Plane I've been playing X-Plane yeah because we got it's quite expensive because it comes on eight DVDs yeah so I had it, we got a copy in the office, and I had it at home for about a month and a half before I worked out, worked up the patience <laughs> to install eight DVDs worth of content. And uh, yeah, I'm just putting around. I've got like a HOTAS flight stick, which I've had for a couple of years. So I'm flying a Cessna. Um, I'm thinking of going to either Canada or Switzerland on holiday at the moment. So I'm just going to Canada or Switzerland Are you and just flying around sample, my Cessna. Sample them. Yeah. So it's like a demo version of the world. Yes, basically. The entire world. I mean, if you do fly to one of those places, when you're looking out the plane window, you'd be like, shit, last time this didn't go well. <laughs> yeah. So um, you don't strike me as a kind of sim person. I, and, like, there's very little big green triangles above your head. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what, what kind of got you into it? I'm not super hardcore into sims, but I like to sample them. So I, I try historical war games and I play a little bits of Crusader Kings and stuff. And I've played bits of flight sims before. The thing I find is that these games mostly aren't as intimidating as you think they are, especially flight sims. Like a lot of them, a lot of the war games or other sims are very menu driven and, and lots of numbers. Flight sim, you know, everyone understands the basics of a plane. You f pull back on the stick to go up, you push down to go down. And, it's, you know, you can kind of, as long as you're flying a simple enough plane, that's enough to actually get you to take off, fly around and then land again. And so it's just, it's just good fun. It's very relaxing. And also, if you get bored, what you can do is you can simulate various failures. <laughs> so by default, everything in your plane will just work. But you can turn on things like bird strike. Oh, wow. And get, you know, bird strike. Do you get to, you get to see strike. the bird hit it? Yes. Oy! And then <laughs> feathers and blood smeared across your windscreen. Does that actually happen? Yeah. Oh, that's a very good simulation. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's I really, really want to play this game. You can do things like you can simulate the pilot forgetting to close his door. Which I guess me forget. Like on a, on a seven four seven, that's a bit of a mistake. I imagine it changes. I don't know the aerodynamics of the plane or something. Mm. I haven't noticed that much difference when doing it. But yeah. you can also do things like I've been playing. You you can either say after five minutes this thing happened, or you can say within a kind of average time frame yeah. this thing might happen. So you can fly for an error not knowing that at any moment your propeller is going to fall yeah. off your plane and not knowing when. So it's quite interesting. Quite I was talking to one of the guys who um, works with um, the X-Plane devs. He's one of, kind of the, uh, I guess, one of the marketeers over in the UK. And um, he was saying that a lot of the uh, um, 
like professional pilots use those kind of things to run tests because you have to spend so much time in simulators to ensure that your license kind of mm -hmm. remains current. Uh, I've got to ask, like, have you in any of these faults crashed the plane? I've 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 done it a few times and I've managed to land it a couple of times. Oh, actually. cool! So I had my propeller fall off and bird strike and managed to <laughs> your navigate. Your propeller to, fell off. Yeah, and managed and to got <laughs> hit by a bird and managed to navigate to the nearest airstrip and land safely. Fantastic! Which was brilliant. Like that wow. view was so cool. Um, but yes, I have also been you know flying over the Swiss Alps and my plane has iced up and my propeller's fallen off and I haven't been able to get to the nearest airstrip and I've just crashed into a mountain and died. Did you manage to land it and then eat some of the other crew? <laughs> no, that would have been good fun. Sadly, I wish. <laughs> Sadly, it was a one-person plane. There's not even like a crash, is there? You just hit the ground and the game pauses, yeah. and then that's I really it. wish that they, you know, they simulated. I wish it was like burnout, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's proper simulation, <laughs> like ripping off wings, yeah. fireball. But no, it just pauses and then resets you to a nearby airstrip. Okay, Tom, what have you been playing? Um, I've been playing like random indie games um, lots and lots of things that people have told me about and I never got into playing uh, Vessel is the most recent um, which is a game where you play a scientist who's invented these um, they're like water elementals really they're, they're creatures made of water um, that run around with their own accord and they've broken loose naturally and taken over the world or something um, and the all the mechanics are based on fluids so um, it's got this really kind of um, nice feeling water simulation one of the first things that happens is you walk out of your lab and there's rain running off the roof and it's kind of splashes on your head as you go under it and uh, I love just like kicking it about and stuff um, but it takes a long long time to get to the main mechanics early on it's all about you just push these switches up and when a water elemental thing I think they're called squirts or something let's call them squirts uh, sees a switch that's that's up he'll run to it and jump on it and push it down so you can use that as a timing element to get through doors and stuff and have them open things for you um, and then later on there's a time when you need a water elemental to go past a certain switch that flips as they touch it and you can't control that one so you have to push up a switch on the left and then push up a switch on the right so that he'll go from the left to the right and pass through this point you need him to pass through and then eventually you get to the point where you um, the way you unlock the next mechanic is you need to do the same thing, trick a squirt from going from left to right, and so that he goes underneath a giant syringe, which you then yank down, <laughs> stabs into him, and then like it, that's I thought that was pretty gross in itself, and it stabs into him, and because it's all fluid simulated, yeah. you see it kind of split his body slightly, uh. and he's kind of stuck on the needle. But then uh, the extraction process that you're about to undergo isn't automatic. You have to do every stage of it manually. So while he's stuck under the needle, you have to go back up to the top, then jump on this crank, and then with your body weight, like swing yourself around to kind of crank it to kind of just suckle the fluid out of him. <laughs> and then it goes into this chamber, and then you've got to like jump on this other lever and yank that down. And then eventually the end result is um, his eye. Uh, everyone, all of them have just one eye. Um, it kind of drops to the floor, and that's a seed. And you can pick that up, and then from then on you have infinite seeds. And you can throw them around, um, and when you, wherever you throw them, they like attract any nearby water. So you can use it to like divert the flow of like a waterfall or a pipe or something. But also, if you actually douse them in water, then they pick up enough water to form a squirt, and then it will run off and do its own thing. And so it's all about like where you where you create those things, um, getting them to to press switches and stuff. And the bit I've just got to, um, it's really cool. There's there's a bit where 
after you solve the first few puzzles, you kind of jump on this little rail thing, and it takes you into this cave system where all these squirts are doing their thing. And it's like the intro to Half-Life, going around the Black Mesa for the first time. It's this what? huge, long rail ride through all this, yeah. like, this really deep cavern with all these weird systems going on, squirts running around beneath you. Um, it's all like beautifully simulated and beautifully modelled. Um, but yeah, where I am in it now, I've just got to a bit where the squirts have kind of taken over the asylum, so to speak. <laughs> and there's this massive, you just enter this huge factory-type room with these giant spiky pads that are dropping down. And it looks like one of those automated puzzles um, that you get in platform games where there's a certain timing to the stampy blocks and then there's slicey things and there's swinging hammers and you've got to get past them all. But as you look into it, you realize um, those spike pads are falling because a squirt is jumping on the pad above it. And those squirts, it's not going to a regular pattern because sometimes those squirts that are jumping on the pads get squashed by another pad above them because a squirt above them is jumping on a pad there. And then that squirt sometimes doesn't hit that because so it gets hit it's by just a hammer. A, it's just a machine. That so you can imagine all those machines going in, in sync, but at the same time, each one is being triggered by someone stepping on a pad, and each one of those people could be hit by a different trap and therefore not step on that pad. This incredibly complex self-perpetuating machine wherein they're also... Uh, those squirts themselves are pumping water into a squirt generating machine to make more of them. <laughs> and so even though they're constantly dying, they're also constantly being generated. As you're running around, because you're solid and they're liquid, if you touch them, you just basically kick them apart. They, they yeah, just like yeah, slosh yeah. around you like water, which is again really nicely simulated. And uh, so you're like this horrible spanner in the works, just messing it all up and making it all go even more unpredictable. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, it is incredible. Um, I haven't completed that yet because it's just incredibly daunting. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. how the fuck does this work? <laughs> what am I even trying to do here? Um, and that's is that PC only? Um, I don't know if it's PC only, but certainly on PC. Uh, God, it's on that's Steam. incredible. Uh, it just came out like a few weeks ago, I think. Um, I had a great moment where the squirts are kind of they're neutral, really. They're not. Re- I mean, they're not supposed to be sentient. I don't think. Um, and we they hope not. <laughs> <laughs> syringed out. Yeah. Well, at, at first, at first they're kind of fucking with you, but then let, most of the puzzles revolve around using them to help you. So they're kind of your friends. And I had one bit where. Um, I dropped two seeds early on, and um, it was to divert some water flows. And then I went to the next screen, and there's a bit where there's a switch above a door, and the door is only open while the switch is held, so I couldn't do it myself. And I was just going to go back and see if there's another solution to this. Um, and a squirt ran along to help me, because uh, it was the seed I'd dropped had gathered enough water around it that it turned into one, and he just ran to the nearest switch, which is the one above the door. And uh, I saw him and I was like, yay. So I jumped to try and get out of his way. And I just landed on him and split him in half. (laughs) Water just runs away and he like tries to reform, but he can't. (laughs) Oh, God. What have I done? You're a bad man. So, um, okay. So that is out now on Steam and it's good. And it's called Vessel. Cool. Uh, Chris, what are you playing? I'm playing a bunch of different things. I played a lot of MMOs, but I think we'll get off that. I played The Darkness 2. played all of The Darkness 2. That's the game where you can dual wield Imps from your no, you can, you've got one imp, you've got uh, two one tentacles, imp. and yeah, two you, guns. so you can dual, dual wield tentacles from your arms. Well, you just have two. You can okay. quad wield like, guns, right? Okay. Yeah, you, can, you have your two guns and two tentacles. Right. Um, dual wielding tentacles would be a bit like saying I'm dual wielding hands. I suppose so. That is quite true. Um, um, unless yeah. you held the tentacles in your hands, <laughs> <laughs> which is not an option. And just yeah, no, they're very they're, they're totally prehensile, so there's no need for that. Okay. Really. Um, <laughs> Is it good? Uh, I actually had a lot of fun with it. It's the first like six-hour shooter I've played in a long time, yeah, all the yeah. way through. Um, it doesn't say it's welcome at all. It's fun throughout. By the time you've kind of seen every enemy type, it ends. So there's yeah. that. I mean, obviously, it sounds a bit like a, a barbed thing to say, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, hey, it's well-paced. We, sh- we show you some men and then stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's well-paced. Um, it's kind of 
silly enough to get away with how gory it is. Right. So it's not really gratuitous, even though it's very, very, very gory. Yeah, it sounds horrible. Like, uh, it is horrible. Uh, actually disembowel people yeah, with your own limbs. What's weird is, when, so you, if you stun someone, you can then grab them with your tentacle, and then you have like a, an array of things you can do to them to get a different bonus. So one, one evisceration will give you ammo for some reason. <laughs> um, one evisceration will give you health. Um, that makes more sense because you eat hearts. Um, and the other one uh, turns them into a, like a shield made of bone. Um, Gee, God, right. that's horrible. But what's really funny about it is eventually you kind of stop thinking about what you're actually doing to people and start thinking about what you need. Like, so, you know, like, oh, I'm in the middle of this fight. I need health pretty rapidly. Uh, there's no health regeneration when you're being shot at. So, okay, I'm surrounded by three dudes. I'll do like my area stun thing. And then I'll very quickly fillet all of them. <laughs> without really thinking about it like one, and they're all really elaborate like you pick a guy up spin him round with one tentacle then thrust the other tentacle through his stomach and then it like screams in the air with rage and then goes back through him while everyone else just stands around and let you do this um, and, and hold but, on guys he's doing a special move yeah, yeah it is very much like hang on everyone let's not be rude yeah. <laughs> sidestep a little bit around I mean, it to get these <laughs> things are so horrible you can kind of imagine people would, would flinch a bit but um, but eventually I got so used to this that what? you kind of just do it you kind of it was like sorry but I just need what's your, your like I think that's what's like. Sorry to go all Hollywood on, but what's your motivation? Well, your motivation is you've been you are a gangster called Jackie, Jackie Astacado, um, who has been possessed or who's kind of inherited this power of the darkness, which is this sort of primordial evil that lives in him, um, and screams in his ear to kill people. Basically, it's, so it's very much about he's, that. He, he's not really a goodie. He's he's. I think he's what they would call an anti-hero. Okay. <laughs> are the baddies really baddies, or are they? Uh, they are. They are. They are also kind of anti-baddies. Anti-baddies. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. mean they're good. They're <laughs> trying to steal the darkness from it's you police. for ambiguous reasons. Okay. Um, well, if you can kind of. I mean, I'd like to steal yeah. your prehensile doesn't, doesn't, doesn't the main villain have, like, an eye patch? He has a major facial scar on. a limb and a hunchback. But he's very <laughs> ambiguous. No, he's not ambiguous. <laughs> at, one point, um, at one point, he uh, crucifies you in wow. first person. Which That's is not ambiguous or loaded at all. Do you, th- is that, do you think it's... Is it one of the most does, violent things you've... Does I think so. But the thing is, it's, they've added, like, since the first... The first game came out on consoles... Um, the new one um, is cell shaded and therefore kind of takes the edge off a little right, bit. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's actually far. I mean, I've read the comics as well. And the comics are dreadful, um, <laughs> so it's actually it's actually a lot classier than the comics, despite being so. <laughs> wow. <much. laughs> yeah. Um, like, um, and actually, to be honest, it's it, it was quite for a piece of pulp. It's actually quite well put together. The narrative how it does some kind of weird uh, meta things, and it's does does the crucifix have extra beams for your tentacles? Uh, that's an excellent question yeah. at that point they're shining very bright lights at you because um, you don't have the darkness in the light if someone's shining a light at you the tentacles just sort of they burn away and sure. then like a mini crucifix for your imp yeah <laughs> yeah. no your, your imp again vanishes in the light so you um, have to shoot light is it what, what's Shouldn't, the most kind of gory thing you can remember playing well, gory what, game do you yeah, yeah. remember playing um, Soldier of Fortune's pretty bad it is, but would you think it was that gory now or would it just be a bit I, I, I played Soldier of Fortune 1 um, about four or five months ago, and no, it's laughable. It's not <laughs> gory at all, really. Yeah. Thinking about it, like, I mean, to be honest, the gore—I don't really go for gore in, in games very much, but it, it didn't bother me after a certain point in the darkness because it is so silly that right. you can pull the man's spine and skull out through his bum <laughs> <laughs> for health. Um, Mortal Kombat, I'd probably draw attention to. Actually, actually, yeah, the, the, yeah, the new Mortal Kombat, Kombat on, on consoles is probably the goriest really? game I've played. That's horrible. Like, that gives you like slow bomb. motion. People's shin bones being snapped, and like that's that because that really like zooms in on it. Whereas the darkness is over very quickly, and also you're doing it. I really dislike the the trend towards gorier and gorier games. Yeah. I'm becoming an old man, where basically I'm just starting to agree that these mm. things are murder simulators. There's a there's a that, thing. That, that's not a murder simulator. That's a yeah. No, there's, but there's you look at like, 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 like Sniper Elite 
V2. Is yeah, on. I mean, they, they, they yeah. show yeah. anything that great me, delight in showing showing the way you can kind of to swipe, me, swipe it's some dude's balls off. Mm. Stuff that um, I'm okay with violence. I'm okay with lots of people dying. Like I play Death Con and I kill millions of people in one very detached way. Um, but it's any time that the game fetishizes the violence, like yeah. zooms yeah. in on it, shows you it in slow mo, really like gets into the detail so that you can really enjoy that bone snapping. And like, you if mean you like think Skyrim's that, kill counts? <laughs> <laughs> that's slow, but there's no real gore in the Apart from the decapitation. Usually. Well, yeah, but you don't see that much. <laughs> <laughs> there's a thing I like about the darkness, which is you have, you're, a, you're a head of a mafia family and, and you do actually have the mafia family. And they're actually, they're not badly written actually, and they're quite characterful. And they are obviously weirded out by what you can do. Because you're yeah, they, they they kind of like, but, they, but the game actually plays to that in a way that I think is relatively smart for yeah. something like this. But they kind of just deploy you inside a dark club full of, you know, an enemy gang or something, and be like, and just sort of stay outside when you kind of emerge so covered in blood. I've got, I've got a question about the tentacles. Yeah. If it's dark, do they automatically come out? Yes. The, the kind of when the darkness really inconvenient. when the darkness comes out, it's kind of controlled by the game. Like there are plenty okay. of times where Jackie's walking around kind of incognito, but then actually the very opening, okay. the very okay. opening so of the he game, can control them when they come out. The in, very start the of the game is he's basically suppressed the darkness for years and years and years, and then yeah. he gets attacked and, and all his people getting gunned down. And he's kind of forced to bring the darkness out again to kind of survive, and you get here quick now, time event. Press R to unleash the darkness, <laughs> which is one of my favourites of late. Um, you know, and there's also like press R to struggle on crucifix. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that how it phrases it? Pretty much. The, I can't the, remember. The people who are trying to kill you and get the darkness from you, yeah. why don't they just attack you during the day? Well, that's an excellent question, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> it's no day-night cycle. No, there is no, uh, well, I think, I don't know, you have no this penthouse you really just hide in the penthouse at night or something. They do then subsequently attack the penthouse, but, you know. Does he have to modify his clothes for the tentacles? See, that's a good question as well, because he wears like a it's trench coat. It's not a good question. It's <laughs> the only yeah, question. Yeah, he, he wears like a trench coat, and then if you, you sometimes get to see yourself from the third person, because you get to control the imp that follows you around, you can look at yourself. Yeah. And like his shoulders are surrounded by like a black mist, which is presumably there just to obscure the fact that they couldn't figure out a way of <laughs> having the tentacles come out of his trench coat. <laughs> so they kind of emerge from the black mist on his back, and it's never okay. kind of... Very so it's more of a mist is a trench coat repair mist. Yeah. <laughs> is it like an aura of tentacles? Well, they're very solid tentacles. But they, they emerge from a kind of mist. Okay. There's a kind of mist to tentacle ratio that's set at a particular level, right. and that's kind of maintained. I like to solve all design problems with mist. <laughs> so I think we've uh, properly uh, discussed the darkness. <laughs> yeah. Um, and solved it. Actually, one thing I will say about it is it's, it gives you a big choice towards the end, and it fully allows you to do a completely shit ending, basically. And right before that ending, a character says, whatever you do, don't fuck it up. <laughs> and I really appreciate the game letting you do that. But then you have the freedom to fuck it up, which more games my, should let you that's do. That's one of my favourite things about games, actually, is that bit in the game where it says, well, now you're at the end bit, is there anything else you'd like to do? Because it's like, it's so kind of incongruous, like, well, yeah. you know, this is the end of this life that you're going to have. Let's yeah. move on to the next the Singularity was great. Sorry, just Singularity was great uh, right at the end, because there's like a really obvious villain and a really obvious like hero and they're in the room together and for the first time you're just allowed to shoot whoever you want and so you can just shoot the good guy if you like <laughs> just for no reason sorry or you can actually just shoot them both and then yeah. the ending's like well <laughs> and, and <laughs> the good thing about the down as well is, is that the, the bad ending is kind of for various reasons that I won't spoil kind of it kind of doesn't, can't really go anywhere like there's nowhere it can go other than like well that's that then <laughs> and it actually ends with a song and dance like <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm definitely want to play this now. This yeah. is great. Oh, it took me two sittings, so it's okay. Free. What are you even playing, Tim? Um, Battlefield. More than anything else, uh, I, I have. I think I've talked at length about how amazing my new PC is. 
um, and it is amazing. Uh, but it's mostly amazing because the loading times in Battlefield have been cut from about two minutes to about 15, 20 seconds because I've got an SSD. Mm-hmm. I mean, mo- the game I'm playing at the moment is marvelling at how cool SSDs are <laughs> um, and everyone should get an SSD. Just buy an SSD, do it. Um, but I'm starting to learn the jets, much to the chagrin of everyone else on the server who can fly the jets and is left hopping impotently <laughs> <laughs> on the runway. That system is so broken. Yeah, words. Yeah. Um, I had a hilarious crash with a. You know, I've, I've talked. I don't know if I've talked about the podcast, but you know, uh, A10s, the Warthog mm-hmm. planes. They are the coolest plane in the world. They just they just look and feel amazing, and. Um, I crash them all the fucking time. <laughs> and I get so excited that I'm in an A10. It's like, this is brilliant. Oh, shit. Pylon. Oh, shit. <laughs> Many people Power fail at pilot's license <laughs> for the same reason. <laughs> I'm in a plane. Can you have bird strikes? Uh, no, you can't. Okay. But can you I think the door open? <laughs> you can, well, you can get out and then get back in if you uh, pilot it at a certain certain point. I have actually done that. You know those cool videos yeah, that, yeah. where you get out and shoot someone? Well, I've got out and shot someone. Overshot it dramatically and gone, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> now I'm not in my play. Um, one of our art editors, well, our, our art editor, John, is, um, runs a Battlefield clan, and um, I've been kind of following him around. It's really funny watching me play, kind of, and constantly spawning on John, who is just like a mobile spawn beacon for the rest of the team. And it's like he will just walk calmly into fire, and this kind of elaborate double tap shoot pistol out bang bang throws a grenade ducks into cover and I'm there just going kind of moving my arms around like wildly flailing and just then dying instantly and respawning on him just dropping from the sky it's like <laughs> I'm back <laughs> yeah, I'm helping his... <laughs> uh, he's not impressed um, but I love it all the same I think it's amazing um, and the game's pretty much fixed now I know there's another big patch coming mm. um, I think they're adding horns to jeeps as well so Finally. yeah <laughs> Um, best, best. They should have a horn on the jet too. Yeah, they should. They absolutely <laughs> should. Am I way pylon? So yeah, uh, we said we did the steam charts, didn't okay. we? Um, I probably should have done this at the start of the um, podcast, but hey, shall we go through the games that are selling on Steam? We have a quick chat about them. Yes. Uh, number uh, number ten is Counter Strike Source. Huh. <laughs> uh, I guess the interesting. This is selling and not played, right? Is selling right now, top sellers, Counter-Strike is not number 10. I guess because oh. people are excited about CSGO. CSGO. Yeah. And then they hear people saying, eh. <laughs> like, oh, well, why not buy the other one? <laughs> CSGO is really interesting. Well, it's our cover, next cover. Um, kind of went to Valve and played a bit of it. It's in a really weird place, and I think we're covering it at exactly the right time because it's about to be good, and they're mm-hmm. in that situation where it's all right at the moment. The latest patch that went out yesterday seems to have fixed a bunch of the... Um, open issues and they've just put Office on it so like Office is the only map you need to play on Counter-Strike as far as I'm concerned <laughs> do you not reckon Counter-Strike is probably a pretty perennial seller on Steam that just nips into the top 10 every now and then I'm going to play Devil's Advocate here and say shut up it might be just because <laughs> nothing else is coming out weird right. though isn't it I mean you can sort of see it still being played after all these years because it's just yeah. a game that if you like it you'll never stop playing it internet cafes it's everywhere. still selling it's still but it's like there's, buying there's, it there's 6 billion people in the world at some point every single one of them is going to own a copy of Counter-Strike <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, well, maybe they're just being—they're being sold at the same rate people are being born. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. Uh, number nine is Kingdoms of Amalur: Reckoning. Oh. Just some new DLC for that come out. Yeah. That is Any the pirate-themed DLC. Skyrim-like. It's not. It's, the, it's more like Fable. It's more like Fable. Like, it's more like Fable. Like, 
Fun but it's by, by the lead designer of Oblivion. Yeah. yeah, they've got an MMO coming out this year. Yeah, according yeah. to Tom McFarlane. Tom McFarlane, the artist, said that thing about what happens if your game lays an egg that I didn't understand. You it was, wasn't that R. Salvatore, the writer, that said that? No, that was Tom McFarlane. Okay. If your game oh, lays Tom an egg, McFarlane, yes. you need yeah, to take, yeah, your, I, take your I, game I back because it's not meant to do that. Yeah, no. If your game lays an egg, that's very, very progressive. What's happened there is you've bought a chicken. Yeah, just mystifying game horribly. He was suggesting that if Kingdoms Kingdoms of Amalur The Reckoning came out and no one cared about it that much and then three months later you announce an MMO then that's I kind thought, of bad marketing because you have to say to people hey why not pay a, a monthly, monthly subscription pay, yeah. for a larger version of that game you didn't like very much well I, I, was, I thought it might be the other way around that he thought the MMO had laid an egg and the egg was Reckoning I, it was a very confused analogy is, is, this person who said there's someone who works on the game he was, yeah. it was, he's a comic book artist he, he a double card and spawned yeah as in, okay. as in he of, of spawn fame mm. um Let's get back to the egg. Yeah. Okay. So, so the I guess I guess Graham, I think Gary might be right. The egg he is. She was suggesting that if Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning laid an egg, where laid an egg is apparently a bad thing. Where okay. Like, yeah. Like, do, laid an egg is something that happens by accident. If, if Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning did a fart. <laughs> Laying an egg be such a bad thing. Well, it's creating a new like, life. You know. I guess. I mean, is the egg fertilized? Like that's the next. <laughs> All right. No more egg talk. Uh, we've we've um, finished. Kingdoms, Kingdoms of Amalur is the one that's funded by Kurt Schilling, the baseball player. Yeah. Ah. The one that we once confused for Tryon Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Sorry, Tryon. Um, uh, it's not that good over here. Uh, it's apparently okay. Tom Senior uh, reviewed it and, and said it was sort of like a good Sunday afternoon RPG thing. I just given in, in a world where Skyrim and and some Mass Effect yeah. the time, it's 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 a tough sell. I think yeah, they they didn't help themselves with the word Amalur. Amalur. Yeah, it's <laughs> the worst title. Kingdoms of Amalur. Reckoning. Kingdoms of Amalur. Orc Beast or like Kingdoms sma- of Hay Arnold. They, the thing is, like the stuff I like generally has good names, and the things the things I like the most have the best names. But <laughs> orcs must die. I love yeah, the absolute yeah. best. Like, just you know, well, it's like you can kind of get away with fantasy name if you're Elder Scrolls because people kind of that that series has such a big history, and you can you can whack Morrowind yeah. down or, or or Skyrim. But down. don't don't put the lore in the in yeah. the name of the game. Like, like the first, yeah. first I mean, game, Kingdoms of Amalur, where no one frankly gives two shits. Is they made a big yeah. deal of how. Our Salvatore, yeah, the, Salvatore the, yeah. yeah, who he had created ten thousand years of lore for the game. <laughs> yeah, which is like, oh, oh, great. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's, that's a load wow. of stuff I'm going to skip past. Uh, I love. I'm looking forward to reading <laughs> 10, that. Years and of content. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then you know, playing it. Oh, elves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at number eight is Assassin's Creed Revelations, um, which is. I'm never going to play that. I'm just going to skip. So again, only, it's probably everyone's buying it because they're hearing about Assassin's Creed 3 and they're like, oh, yeah. 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 It's the only Assassassin's Creed game I've bounced off. I got they released those too fast for me to play them. I can't yeah. play them yeah. at the rate they make I them. Did, <laughs> I played one, two, Brotherhood. Is there another one between Brotherhood and Reckoning? No, Revelations. No, no <laughs> Revelations is okay. fucked. That spin-off, Revelations Reckoning. Brother, Kingdoms bro- of Amalur, Brotherhood. Brotherhood is absolutely brilliant. It is brilliant, yeah. But apparently... Revelations or yeah, Revelations or, okay, re, apparently Revelations is really good as well but, I mean yeah, it's very similar it's got I grenade think, crafting I think grenade crafting and, and a tower, tower defence yeah. Oh, yeah, basically what happened is like, Brotherhood laid an egg <laughs> <laughs> and the egg erupted into a stream of soldiers that I, yeah, would, yeah. I would just like Ubisoft to email me when they make an Assassin's Creed game that doesn't have a Desmond bit at the start yeah. <laughs> so I can play the yeah. actual good game yeah. like, well my theory for Assassin's Creed is this Ezio should be the one in the Animus 
if it was Ezio it, as the guy who's just reliving all his ancestors' memories, then you get to k- keep the best character in that series yeah. and get rid of the worst character in that I'll series. Tell you, I'll tell you one thing, actually. Ezio, like, for all of Ezio, Ezio's milking of... Um, Ubisoft's milking of the Assassin's Creed 2 setting and, and setup, Ezio was really, really, really good. Ezio's great, yeah. And I think one of my favourite memories of the last kind of couple of years of gaming is the first bit being you are a baby and you <laughs> learn to control your legs by pressing X to wiggle them. Like, <laughs> oh, no, what pl- that doesn't even help the tutorial. It's, like, <laughs> it's the, the weirdest... Um, My favourite quick time event quick in time. any game ever is Assassin's Creed 2 where Ezio can press uh, well, X on the 360 to invent the latte. There's <laughs> 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 a bit where someone offers it's him like coffee from the new world. <laughs> someone offers him coffee from the new world and... And he, he sort of tastes it and goes, Ugh. and he can press X and he goes, need some milk. <laughs> I, think he actually, I think he actually says he needs some latte. That's yeah, well, it's Italian, so he just says latte. But, you know. um, but yeah, but it's just like, yep, I did that. And that's, that's while your it's arms like, dealer, Leonardo da Vinci, is getting something ready. Exactly. Like, like, it's like, it's like the Forrest Gump of assassins. <laughs> yeah, he <is. laughs> he's the most he's always life. sitting on benches. <laughs> like, he's, such a, like, he's such a versatile character because however you play that game, whether you play it really seriously and you really commit to like the fantasy of the assassin or you, you do ridiculous things like in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood the kneeing someone in the balls move is really really overpowered because yeah, it can be looped indefinitely and it's an instant stun mm. so you can knee every enemy in that game regardless of their armour to death <laughs> and you know you ignore the rest of your moves and even if you play it like that it still kind of fits his character yeah, <laughs> yeah it seems like kind of like, he'd probably do that it's, I think, well, I think that it's kind of it's depressing that there aren't that Ezio stands out as a really likeable character when to write a character like Ezio, he's just friendly. That's why everyone yeah. likes him. He's just a nice guy. He's, <laughs> he's, nice. he's funny. And he's kind of cheeky. And, and people, like, you know... Yeah. His, his, no you know. one thought of that before? <laughs> yeah, no, that is exactly and right. And that's what they're going to suffer, because there's no way the new guy, Connor, is going to be funny. Like, they're obviously going to go for the, like, the, you know, it's serious business, my village was destroyed, which they are actually doing. Like, you know... To be fair to Ezio, he went through a pretty shit time. But they do, they do, actually, I think they do Ezio's family getting killed really well in Assassin's Creed 2. Like, it's quite a shock. Like, it's not just, you know, his origin story, it is. like Spoilers Assassin's Creed 2. Well, there's no reason why they can't do that in Assassin's Creed 3. I think, think, you know, it's obviously going to start with you as a small boy. There's going to be a brilliant kind of hour where you're just kind of doing tasks in a... um, a, a, Apache camp, yeah. Apache village. Or um, will it be 45 minutes of animus shit first? <laughs> I think yeah, it, it might be 45 no. minutes of animus shit. Followed by the, the bit in the uh, in the village. I want to be I want to be a child in more games. Like, oh, yeah. It didn't work in Tribes of Vengeance where you got to be a yeah, toddler. That, but that was just because you could fit in vents. Yeah, you, but you just get like a, a set of weapons. You're just like owning these like enemy vehicles and mowing down <laughs> all these <laughs> troops. I, I've always wanted to kind of play a... Um, play the game where you get to explore a town and just like essentially bully but not being a dick but just mm. being like <laughs> having having fun Start and like tree houses Fable 2 did that yeah anyway mm-hmm. uh, Shoot Many Robots is at number 6 another good named game another good named game, game. Um, unfortunately I haven't played Shoot Many Robots is it good? I haven't played it either is it a sort of sequel to Shoot Many Zombies or I don't like? no <laughs> Alright, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> I can see this is going to be fun. Uh, number six is Gettysburg Armored Warfare. Which I've seen a, a bunch of times and played a little bit. It's out, I think, yesterday. today or yesterday. Alright. Um, people are saying it's not that great. It's the racists in... Um, time travelling racists. Time travelling racists going back to... Although people objected to my using that phrase. Uh, yeah. But... but uh, it's it's people from the future going back in time to give the Confederates during the American Civil War 
future weapons like but zeppelins like and tanks steampunk future weapons though it's not um, like yeah, so that's so that's like, the setting what's the it's a hex strategy it's a hybrid rts first person shooter um Whoa, all, all multiplayer with so a bit like battlezone with like like eight players aside and each of those eight players is controlling a little squad of say 20 units five of which are tanks, ten of which are men, wow. five of which are future soldiers, awesome. and then you can hop into any one of those units and actually control it, including boats, airships, tanks. So you can fly a Zeppelin? You can fly a Zeppelin and drop bombs into people below. And it's got a kind of um, battlefield capture um, mode and stuff like that. It's, and it's got a really cool... Really, really, why did I think that was a strategy game? Because it's it kind of it mostly <laughs> yeah. mostly is a strategy game, and it's mostly a strategy game. The shooting doesn't feel that great, and that's why people are kind of bouncing it off yeah. a little bit. It's mostly a strategy game. It's a little bit rough around the edges. Mostly made by a single person, which is kind of amazing, and it's a really cool concept. And it's got a really awesome level editor as well, and it ties into Steam Workshop. Oh, okay. So hopefully, uh, Modson okay. takes off for it. Um, PC gaming's amazing as usual. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Three is at number five. <laughs> It's pretty good. I like that game. I like it. I think it's all right. Tom Senior has been playing that an awful lot. He has been playing that an awful lot. It's really strange. I think he. I think there's so many games out and so much going on. He just that he thought, kind oh, of snapped. No, I do think he's like. <laughs> like I think something broke because like all the stress of like Skyrim and The Old Republic and Mass Effect and all these kind of really big heavy games and like probably the same instinct that drove me through the darkness <laughs> literally <laughs> uh, at which point like, two tentacles are I, I, I spawned <laughs> tentacles from my shoulders Tom Senior was propelled to run around a multiplayer map in a circle being shot in the back an abundance <laughs> of cool fun games drove you to the darkness yeah. <laughs> it's taking less and less uh, isn't no, it is a, is a fun death game. of my wife drove me to the darkness fun game press <laughs> R to unleash uh, the darkness an excess of entertaining things entertaining diversions meant I have the biggest problem we are we're all talking about Modern Warfare 3's multiplayer right yeah yeah, yeah he's been playing a lot Single player is awful. Mm. Single player is pretty bad. Better than Battlefield 3. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, like, <laughs> those games just need to stop making the single player bit. It's, it's absolutely pointless. I reckon about 65 to 70% of people who buy those games only ever play the single player. Or at least mm. buy it for the single player. I yeah. think that's true and for RTS. I don't believe it's true for the. Um, for the I don't know what it's like now but it used to be the case where people would buy Unreal Tournament and 90% of the people who bought Unreal Tournament only ever played against bots they, like a lot of people do not like playing with other people because other people are dead. They, they, they don't want to get shot in the back of the head they don't want to get teabagged by the darkness they just want to be yeah. like a James Bond but type they want them to play someone, <laughs> someone else yeah. the game they play against other people is FIFA well, this, I think doing a single player multiplayer is how you get the ridiculous numbers that they get. Yeah, yeah. There's two different audiences and they capture them both. Mm. And there's also some overlap. But you're and right, they're totally different experiences. But the, they kind of pay off each other, so neither of them has to be the focus. And Chris, did you, um, did you buy Modern Warfare? No, actually, it's a series I've almost completely bypassed. Um, I did. I played a bit of multiplayer. Really? Because they didn't send it to us for a review. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, although they sent us some Xbox copies. Two Hilarious. You made a great player that on Twitter. It's fun. Uh, and number four is the King Arthur collection, which is uh, kind of grand strategy. Good, they? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. Did they give away the first one of those? We gave free? away the first one of those free yeah. on the current. No, we're giving no, away Crusader, Crusader Kings. Kings. Crusader Kings collection is what we're giving away at the moment, okay. which is the first game of that and the, the expansion. Expression. 
Okay, and a King Arthur sticker. King Arthur, I think we gave away two or three years ago, though. Yeah, yeah we So did. you should buy PC Gamer readers and yeah. stop buying it on Steam. Save yourself, <laughs> See what you're missing? Save yourself £22.49. That's yeah. King Arthur 2, though, presumably. Which is a whole collection. King Arthur 1 oh, okay. 2. Okay, fair uh, and number three is Total War Shogun 2 to uh, Space Dash Space Fall of the Samurai. Colon, <laughs> 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 Rise of the Robots. Yeah, um, which also is good. Um, really good. Uh, we gave it 89%. Um, not a 90 um, which I think the CA guys were a little bit sad about um, but no it's really good um, boats are still not great um, although much more explodey um, but for scale of violence and the fact that machine guns make swords you know in the in the kind of the rock paper scissors thing of swords spears and archers Machine guns. Win. <laughs> <laughs> you can take direct control of the Gatling gun, yeah, yeah, can't you? And it's great. more down. Trips really, there's the a right turret section. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there actually is. Um, the artillery is like so devastating now that. Uh, oh yeah, like the boats. You can actually call in your boats yeah. to drop artillery. That's, that's awesome. It's, uh, they've kind of the one thing they've done about it's it is they've bomb. made the sea stuff make a bit more sense because mm. you have much more influence on on the land. Um, I really like the idea of the the train system mm, as well yeah. like you can develop train technology and build routes and stuff yeah. like that. it's that like the um, ship your the last bit in the last kind of the end game in Civ is everyone gets trains and suddenly you know everything comes to the mm. front as soon as as quickly as possible is, um, I think it's interesting that there's loads of games doing like 17th and 18th century warfare now it's something you saw for yeah. ages and ages like Assassin's Creed doing it who would have guessed that Assassin's Creed mm. would do 18th century 17th century warfare yeah um, the well muskets are cool Actually, though, they're the worst guns. No, they're not the worst guns. They they're the best guns. Things. Yeah, but that's, that's what makes them exciting. That, they're like two the rows of men them. stand in front of each other and miss. Yeah, but it's <laughs> Can like, you imagine Call of Duty 17th century warfare? That would be fantastic. <laughs> it would be yeah, two rows of ten men and three of the men would get shot and then the other seven would run away. Yeah. Reload <laughs> <laughs> <lost>, you know, <laughs> for 15 minutes and then fire again. Uh, and number two is The Elder Scrolls Skyrim. That's a good game. That's Sorry, quite a good game. You just started playing that, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, I've, um, now my baby um, sleeps a little bit better. I get to play <laughs> some games. And uh, I've been playing Skyrim using the PC game and mod collections. Great. Yeah. Um, which are, they're good. And uh, I, I'm doing it exactly like I said I would, which was I'd wait for Skyrim to come out, and then I'd wait for all the mods to be in. And then you're waiting and for me to sort through the mods. And wait, <laughs> wait for Tom to sort through all the mods and, and produce a game that makes it better. And... Except uh, one of the mods in the PC game in my collection is the dwarf and spider follower, and he's ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's really cool, but um, he's a mechanical spider, um, which is a thing that's already in the game, but you can't have it at the pet yeah. normally. Um, and there's a mod that just adds it as a follower, and it's awesome, but it might be a little bit extreme because he can't die. Yeah. <laughs> and he's decided that he doesn't like me for some reason. And, like, <laughs> he's attacking you. Every, every cutscene now is like ruined by, well, not cutscene, every kind of dialogue bit is just, yes, I'm being attacked by a dwarf. That is spider. in the. <laughs> we should clarify that. Um, that is, we've made two collections, um, and that one is in the additional content collection. So there's like a purist collection that's just tweaks to the game that all make it better, and it's all quite clean. It's not going to interfere with your kind of Skyrim experience. And then there's additional content, which is a bit crazier, and it's a kind of new areas and new... Um, there's like a floating airship in there. There's a jungle, there's a desert, there's a um, spider follower. Do they... Do they show up in the map as well? Yeah, uh, this is one thing that's really nice with Skyrim is that uh, in many cases, I won't say whether it's most or not, um, the modders have put a map marker in for the thing they've added. So you look at your map and you see a new icon and you go there, which answers the eternal question you had with Oblivion mods, is where the fuck is it? What is this? What's happening? (laughs) The only way Oblivion people could do it was to have a, like, as 
a pop-up message that would just um, pop up like the next time you're mm. idle or something. Yeah. And so if you played it after a while um, and you'd installed a bunch of DLC and mods and stuff, you just the first ten minutes of the game would just be pop-up message, pop-up message, pop-up message, pop-up message. Oh, I've inherited a thing. Oh, I suddenly feel like I should go yeah. over there. Oh, I think I, there might be a dragon over there. Or <laughs> Do... Um Oh, I, forgot what I, was I really say. hate that in uh, DLC in general, actually, or in add-ons where it kind of gives you a thing the moment you log into the game again. Yeah, it although really it's still contrived. better than not telling you where it is at all. Yeah, but I think, <laughs> I think, I think sort of giving you the option to go somewhere where you know you'll look and you'll find it is fine, but having it sort of smack you on the face as soon as you log in kind of is a bit kind of like, oh, 15 things have happened yeah. while I was standing in this It's game. always the worst thing. I remember buying um, a big pack of Borderlands DLC or Borderlands with all the DLC in a Steam sale. And it was essentially unplayable because <laughs> yeah. you log in and you go, go and kill the zombie. Oh, pirate Ned's over there! Like, it's like, for <laughs> yeah. fuck's sake, like this is all level twenty content. Just like, until I get to the point where mm. I can actually do this. At its worst, is Fallout Three with all the DLC installed. The moment you emerge from the vault into the wilderness, you get like I've just listened to a radio message. It's telling me to do this. I've just done this. I've, done this. I've gone mental. <laughs> it's been an eventful like, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never seen the outside world before, but I figured out how to read the radio. Both in that and in virtual reality. What? You got into the like outside the vault for the first time and that's like yeah. the big emotional moment of oh my god this world is ruined yeah. and <laughs> DLC DLC like DLC. Mass Effect 2 is another bad one like you, you you switch on the DLC for the first time and the first time you ever go into the new Normandy you have like 20 emails <laughs> from like the Alliance Shepard who even don't here. know Shepard you're Shepard alive yet <laughs> saying like, <laughs> it's like um, and like the Elusive Man Shepard, if you're 15 alive. masks <laughs> and like and, and the fact that he's putting it all in, in different emails suggests that he's kind of really desperate for your attention in quite a needy <laughs> way like, Shepard I sent you a visor Oh, I've got some Dragon Age promotional armor for you. <laughs> you armor. Maybe go check on Zaid. Who's Kasumi? I don't know. <laughs> Fiction is dead. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Skyrim collections, um, they're a Steam Workshop thing. They are super, super easy to install. You literally just click a subscribe all button and it adds everything in that collection to your game and it'll be in there next time you play. Um, and there's a post about it on PCGamer.com or you could just search for PC Gamer on the workshop. Quick question, actually. Does those, do those mods require the script extender? No. Okay. Uh, I really wanted to, for the tweaks and improvements, like Sky UE is yeah. one of my favorites, but it requires this special thing you've got to install separately. And so we've left it out of that collection and just recommended it in okay. the description. Because we want it to be really easy and just click one button. Uh, number one on the Steam chart is Age of Empires All-in-Wonder uh, bundle. So it's wow. Age of Empires Online. It's is it launched really cheap? Today. Um, this day. It's 10 quid. <laughs> um, Age of Empires Online, I really want it to be good. I really, really, really... If it's not good. It's, <laughs> it's, like it's, it's, oh. it's made by a robot who did Ox Must Die and Gaspar Games yeah. and Supreme like, Commander. Like, what? Why is it? Surely it's good. Tell me it's good. Come on. Come on. It's not good. It's made by those guys, but it's also, I think, heavily produced by Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. And... I interviewed the robot guys at Oxmas Die a while ago, and they told me that they kind of were on contract. We are robots. They were, they, they were on contract for a very specific amount of that game. Mm. You know what I mean, so they kind of did their job on the back end. Or we whatever, do as programmed. Like, yeah, but they're the old, like they're the old Age of well, Empires guys. Come on, like yeah. The actually, now that I think of it, the producer at Microsoft who was managing the project used to be Ken Levine's producer, so he worked on System Shock Two and wow. Bioshock One and all of these games. So it's got good pedigree behind so it. Producer at Microsoft. Yeah, the one who's... Is it Damien Deus? Yeah. yeah. Is it just that... Like, is it that free-to-play mechanics mean that you end up grinding, but meanwhile, the mechanics of Age of Empires just look a bit ancient compared to the RTSs I don't even now? think it's that... I don't think it's really the mechanics of Age of Empires. I think it's the grindy mechanics of a free-to-play game where it's 
often very easy to win or to know that you've won, but you sometimes yeah. have to keep playing for half an hour before you get before you actually yeah. get the victory condition. Uh, you have to play a lot of missions, often the same mission more than once, in order to get the resources you need to build the buildings back in the home base in order to advance. Um, like you can play. And can you buy items to like skip this shit. Or? Yeah, you can. You the the free to play the microtransactional stuff isn't too exploitive, but it's a little bit exploitive, <laughs> <laughs> which so, isn't a great place to be. Also, if you're playing an hour-long mission and it you get disconnected, you lose all your progress. There's no way to save it because it's a free-to-play thing. Or if you pause the game for ten minutes because you know you got to go cook dinner or because your baby's crying and you come back, it will have timed out and will disconnect. I've disconnected <laughs> you and you have lost all your progress. Fucking yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So that's okay. Then born on Steam though. Yeah, well, well done. Um, but oh. but that's, that's very, all the previous Age of Empires very, games, is it? No, it's just Age of Empires oh, just Online. Oh, so it's okay. free to play, but there were? There was Age of Empires 3 is on Steam as well. Um, but these the all in one bundle is a bunch of the different civilizations that you can buy. Okay, so it's just a compilation pack of things yeah, you can buy. Wow. Yeah. So it's doing well. Based. Yeah. You're buying um, DLC for it. So uh, shall we talk about Chris's um, expedition to Seattle? We can very much do that. Because um, the most exciting game in the world right now for, I think, quite a few of our readers is Guild Wars 2. And Chris has played about... Probably about 30 hours that game now. 30 hours of it um, at home, and in the office, and with um, many of the developers in ArenaNet. I've got to ask, actually, before we get into the game, ArenaNet are in new offices. They are, and they're really nice, actually. <laughs> this um, is the real news. <laughs> well, no, actually, uh, the interesting uh, takeaway from it is it's incredibly smart. Like it's kind of that, got that nerd paradise thing. If they've got the ability to custom build their own offices, they're going to kind of you know have a huge game room and all the rest of it. But they've kind of built the whole place um, so that it's all mobile. Like all the walls are like can be moved, and all the desks can be moved, and they move teams around constantly. So if yeah. you're like, they'll occasionally just throw the so writers do, in with the content like, yeah, designers. Yeah. They'll throw the artists in with the content designers because the idea is they want people to kind of like. Yeah. So Guild they is the only game they're making thing like, where they. Yeah, they, like it's like okay, we need to solve this, do this, and that, and that kind of gave place a really good vibe actually. Like compared yeah. to sort of other studios, I've wandered around. There were no locked doors. Like I could just wander in and okay. look over someone's shoulder and be like, "Oh, you're making a thing." So um, you said something interesting, which um, we're going to write about, was that Guild Wars is kind of breaking other MMOs for you. It is, yeah. And what do you mean by that? Well, I think it's because I. When I play Guild Wars, I'm very impressed by it, but um, I think the experience of playing Guild Wars is one of realizing stuff you're not doing <laughs> rather than realizing um, like new things, necessarily, yeah. right? So you play it, and the little part, especially for an MMO player, the part of your brain that goes, oh, I need to get all the quests that are in this, in, that are north, so I can go north and most efficiently maximize like what I'll get out of going north, and then yeah. do that loop and come back again. And that is the kind of like little mental thing you find yourself doing. Guild Wars... You just um, you just go north, and things will happen if you when you get there, or they won't, or then you go east for a bit, and then something will be happening over there. Then you'll follow a player, and he'll be doing something. Then a giant will spawn. Then it's three in the morning. Like that's kind of how it works. It's very much kind of you just keep moving, and right. you don't stop and think and plan too much. And I think that's great because I, if I'm making task lists for myself and setting goals, I'm working. <laughs> that is true. That is the thing I find it in MMOs. If I explore, I start. I really like exploring. That's kind mm. of why I play them. Um, I start to feel guilty. I come across a special area and I can see this is designed for a quest that I yeah. don't have. And there's like a really cool, unique enemy over there and I shouldn't kill it because I don't have the quest time, yet. The only time you'll feel wrong. guilty in Guild Wars is when you don't do something. Like you let the centaurs <laughs> burn down a village and that's something you should <laughs> feel. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's legitimate. That's then within the game and that kind of feels right. That I yeah. left that because I just wanted to go back to town and sell my stuff. But <laughs> as a result, 
these people are dead now. One I mean, and those people are in mortal peril. You know, on the other hand, the sword to be, is really heavy. You know, to be fair about the game, um, the this stuff does kind of loop on to an extent, and there is, yeah, you know, yeah. there's. I mean, it is a you know a game. It's I think, not I think magic. It's, like, I think it's really interesting because I think a lot of our readers have. Um, I'm not. No, that's that's unfair. I think a lot of people think Guild Wars isn't an MMO, and it is. Yeah, absolutely, it's more of an MMO than. Yeah. Yeah, most but, games. And, but they think it's going to feel like a high-end single-player game and like it's got this, this kind of belief that the content is always changing and always kind of different. It's... And like there's, there's an element of that. Like I'm, I'm very nervous about how, how much people are reading into the systems that ArenaNet have built. Because I, I think they are very mechanical systems rather than they necessarily... Are, but I think the crucial difference, the absolutely crucial difference between... And the thing it has in common with something like Skyrim, actually, is Guild Wars 2 is made up of lots of small, individual, brilliant ideas. It is not one big idea that they've thrown money at until it works. Right. Right. Uh, which is, to be honest, my criticism of Tor, to an extent, is that the brilliant idea is we're going to have this big single-player thing, and that's very expensive and very difficult to realise. We have to keep working and working and working until we get it right. Yeah. Guild Wars has a brilliant skill system. It has really cool combat... Um, the way grouping works and the way rewards are all that is very clever. Um, you know, the way classes are balanced or, you know, the way they're thrown out kind of traditional class roles is very cool. And all of those different... And then the event system kind of works in a particular way so that all of those different things mesh together to create these little stories. A bit like how, you know, like everyone's... Everyone's Skyrim stories have the same couple of elements in, usually. Like, I went here, I saw Arrow a dragon. Knee. And, exactly. <laughs> well, or, you know, like, Gar yeah, did yeah, this. Yeah. Right? The kind of the amount of elements is fixed, but the way you can arrange those elements is I, very, I, very... I, I made Lydia die in an interesting way. Yeah, exactly. And, and <laughs> so, you know, you don't, like, every game... No games are magic. Every game is mechanically fixed at yeah. a certain point. But it's just how many... How much you can move those pieces around. And Guild Wars allows so much more flex for that. Like, a good example is in Dungeons. In WoW... Bosses are built in such a way that to make you know tank and spank difficult, you have to usually trap a boss within a particular arena that allows you to have big environmental attacks or something that that make it so that you kind of add variables to what is otherwise a pretty nailed down formula: tank, heal, damage. Yeah. In Guild Wars, if you are capable of dragging a boss out of its comfort zone into somewhere else where it's easier to kill, the game won't stop you, and that makes it feel substantially different. So, day three, we're seeing all the bosses in the game in the capital cities. Uh, well, I mean, this is in the context of dungeons, okay. but but I mean, actually, the open world stuff. Yes, technically, that would be possible. Okay. Like, um, there are some instances as well, obviously, where that would be. And the only reason it can do that is because it's thrown out the idea of loot and stats. Really, like there is loot and stats, but at a given level, it's all identical. So apart from how it looks, so there's no like you don't need to go up the next tier of gear to fight the next boss. You can't fail before you've started. And I think that's kind of that's one of those ideas. Do you think that's going to be enough to make people continue to play? This is my yes, I think it is, but. Actually, actually, more than that, I want it to work. And the interesting thing is, one of the questions I put to them was, okay, so if you're not forcing grouping, you know, you're not forcing these different class role relationships, um, then how do people develop relationships with each other? Because, I mean, I asked you know, Blizzard, what's the big appeal of healer damage tank in WoW? And they said, it forges relationships. People grow to, you know... Know. Grow to resent each other. <laughs> and that's what... <laughs> ArenaNet said, yeah. is that, um, that it's not teamwork, it's dependency. That actually actual teamwork involves improvisation and knowing your skills as opposed to the other skills. They compare their class system to TF2 rather than an RPG. I mean, the, the, the line they gave me was, you would never say that heavies and spies are both DPS because they do damage. <laughs> right, and I think that's clever. Like, I think that's like, holy shit, they've really thought about this. And that's what impresses me so much. Yeah. However, they're taking a chance on the fact that people don't need a little bump to their number. <laughs> 
Still being invaded by seagulls. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> and the PC game of seagull disagrees with me about um, about MMOs. They're relying on the fact a few things. They're relying on the fact that people don't need a carrot and a stick to make them play a game. Yeah. They're relying on the fact that people will play a game for fun, not for numbers. Yeah, and luck. and it says so much about yeah. games that that's going to be a close run thing. <laughs> well, um, um, if they're not subscription based though, so, no. So they don't need to. Quid. It is a lot of money, well, it, but they don't know, need yeah. to hook people. Like for that's that's the thing years. in the tell, and that's why I think it's going to work. Is because you can buy it and you can dip in and out as much as you like. My 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 worry though is the people who are really excited about it now, who have a specific idea about what it's going to be, or like any game, have kind of elevated it as the savior of the genre, <sighs> are going to get into it and initially see an action bar MMO with some you know yeah. weird stuff going on and not get it. Whereas you really need to let it breathe. Because like I to give it I think it's it's less. It's I don't think it's a game. The people who are most excited about Guild Wars, I think, are the, are the ones who don't necessarily play MMOs. But I think Guild Wars is a game built for people who do play MMOs, but the MMOs just aren't showing enough innovation in what they're doing. I think... Like, WoW has been static now for too long, and Tor was WoW, and EverQuest isn't going anywhere. And, and, like, yeah. and like, Lotro... Like, I think Lotro is a, is a beautiful game, but well, you know, it's, it's not... It's not thinking about how, what content people want to consume. It made me kind of really... I mean, when I say the phrase, like, it's kind of broken MMOs for me, I, what I'm saying is not, like, I hated MMOs yeah. anyway. It's I'm someone who plays a lot of MMOs, always has played a lot of MMOs, and kind of likes that system, and it's made me feel, like, slightly guilty. <laughs> like, actually, when I put the question to them, why will people socialise if you don't make them, yeah. they just looked at me and went, well, because people <laughs> What are, are you? People <laughs> are basically, well, yeah, like, people are basically decent, and... and like, no, literally, like, this is why... And that was like, holy shit, I'm a monster. Like, this, you know, I've come to assume that people won't form relationships unless a, a game pins them down and says, you can't have your toys unless you play nice. And whereas Guild Wars is so much more about, like, just, oh, I'll follow that guy. Oh, we're helping each other now. This guy gets a reward for helping me. He doesn't have to ask me for a group. He just it's does it. It's more like a kind like, of open world thing, I guess, than, like, just going off and having a... Yeah, well, is that's the, the thing. It's, it's so... So, the, so the, the thing, there was, there's an interesting thing you said about... So the event system is stuff happens out in the world and each cycle of an event kind of triggers the next thing. Yes, and they so, can they sometimes branch a little bit based yeah, on what happens. And they always talk about centaurs burning down a village. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. So, but what you're saying is that they're going to start adding in... Yes, so this is interesting. Um, I, talk, I asked them, basically, I, I started because we were talking about the end game and kind of like how you're going to keep people doing the same dungeons over. Uh, there's some interesting stuff about dungeons, read the website um, soon. But basically, they're going to continue to add content to every zone in the game after launch, and that'll come in the form of new events. And when they add a new event, they'll make the old events less frequent, but they'll leave them there. So they're not like doing a kind of forced moving the game forward in time thing. But like, it's like a zone refresh. But like they're kind of refreshing all the zones, adding new stuff. And the the cool thing is, I asked them, so how are you going to let the players know? And they said, we're not. Basically, we're just going to let that stuff happen and let players encounter it as they go. So someone's wandering back through the starter area that's adjacent to one of their capital cities or something, and suddenly there's this huge monster there that hasn't been there before. Um, it's worth pointing out that you're leveled down to the zone you're in, so you, your content is never not relevant to you. You can only get more relevant content rather than less. You don't leave zones behind, really. So as you're wandering back through, you suddenly see a giant worm that's never been there before, and you don't know whether it's never been there before or you just didn't see it the first time. And the idea is that when you create a new character six months later and you're doing the same thing and it's substantially different. And it's very ambitious, but that kind of is very impressive as an idea. ArenaNet always strike me that 
they're thinking much harder about everything than anyone else in the industry. What really, yes, and that's the impression. And it's kind of weird coming back from a trip like this, kind of having sat down with them for two days and played the game with them to then glow about it. Because obviously the, the implication is that I've got a chip in my brain now and, you know, I've kind of wandered back. You do have fan. a chip in your brain. I do have a chip in my brain. But we but, put it there. But, yeah, but Tim put that there. Um, <laughs> uh, the Reapers. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I have been indoctrinated. Um, the, but, um, but actually... Every time I tried to ask a hard question, they had they'd obviously already thought about it. They didn't sort of bounce anything. And you know, if you've ever interviewed a game designer, you kind of know what that's like when you kind of hit them on the thing that the game doesn't do. <laughs> yeah, and okay. even even when there are even when there are kind of little problems. That's a good game, question. Is always the thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good question. Um, here's 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 what it says in the. Here's an answer to a different yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's what I've been briefed to say. And so that's and it was very refreshing to 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 get that. And sort of everyone was also very positive. Like basically, while I was there. They were also doing a community summit where they get all the different community managers yeah. in to play the game as well. And during the beta weekends, all of ArenaNet play the game as well. They actually come into work on a weekend to play the game. And so there were people in there, like on Saturday, with their families, sat around. They've got like a big open dining area with sweets and things. So the kids were kind of hang, hanging out or, or sitting on the parents' laps playing the game. And it was weirdly idyllic. Like the whole <laughs> thing was kind of like, wow, all the horror stories you hear about this industry sometimes. Yeah. It was like going to the Teletubby land. Like, <laughs> Everyone's happy here all the time, yeah. Chris. And I, and I know that's... Why so don't to, you stay here I, forever? I know that's not... There's going to be a degree to which they obviously want me to come away with a very positive impression. Yeah. But I never got the sense that they didn't really care about the game they were making. Rich yeah. said the same thing, actually, that he went to an event to play it. Um, and he wanted to stay there forever. I <laughs> <laughs> did some, like, PvP stuff, and then uh, all the journalists, five or six of them, went off for lunch, and when they came back an hour later, there were just a bunch of... Arena net guys. Arena net guys sitting in their chairs well, playing the game, like, <laughs> calling out to each other. Doing we can still win stuff. this. It's been, it's been interesting, you know, like, writing a lot of my stuff, because... Um, I obviously I did six interviews while I was out there, but I also went for dinner with the guys twice, and I kind of spent a lot of time with them. I spent a lot of time just sat next to them playing the game, and so I got loads of information that my dictaphone wasn't on when I was talking to them. You know what I mean? So like I know, for example, that the game came out of what would have been a Guild Wars One expansion, but they wanted to do too much and they couldn't do it. So that little snippet of information just came from just me having this chance to chat yeah, to them yeah. constantly. That's so rare that it's like very so positive. The, they had they had over a million signups for the beta. Yeah. Um, and if they sell each one of those copies of the game for 50 quid, they might have made the money back. I think so. I have no idea what the resources involved. They're obviously substantial. Um, but to be honest, I got the impression that they've had time to iterate a lot on a design. See, I, th I think most of the... Com so Guild Wars 1, they made, and then they had an expansion out very quickly, and then a second expansion out very quickly. Did they do three expansions? They did three expansions, Actually, yeah, yeah, and all of them sold very well. Yeah. Something I would say that I think is, is worth drawing attention to as well as compared to other MMOs is the way they structure their game. And this will sound boring initially, but bear with me in terms of like server architecture and stuff. means that um, I don't know whether this, what I was told is that Guild Wars 1 went down for about four hours in its entire life. <laughs> and that includes patching time because they can patch it while it's up. Because and so basically, where you know something like the Old Republic has to go down for a day every time yeah, it patches, yeah. um, Guild Wars One never did, Guild Wars Two never will do. And now that they're developing it, what that allows them to do is push out twenty builds a day. So they're constantly pushing out new. See, I, I agree with this. However, I have I have been in that situation where you start playing Guild Wars. What happens is is that you get the ten megabyte clients think, oh, I'm ready to play. Then you wait for an hour and a fucking half. Yeah. While the rest of the zone loads and the streaming thing is. But that's, but um, I mean, also Guild Wars Two is doing this deferred yeah. server thing, so you load into a different server if yours yeah. is 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 queuing a patch. Um, but like, I, nonetheless, I think that sort of speaks to the the way that they've been able to design that game, yeah, yeah. where they can just iterate and iterate and iterate and iterate. So okay, Guild Wars is good. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about the game. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. Um, 
I've got to go and be appraised by my boss in 20 minutes, so we have to cut this short and do Twitter questions. Obviously, I'm brilliant, so I can't... Um, <laughs> but I need to kind of go. So um, we can't really do the GDC talk, um, but that's fine, because that's ages ago. Does Tom want to do the GDC I talk? I can summarise GDC. Okay, go on. <laughs> You've got uh, two minutes to summarise GDC. Okay, well, Tim and I were both there, um, and it was weird, because Tim was there as a journalist, and I was there as a developer. Um, so I was actually taking yeah. time off work to go there. Um, and I saw a lot of indie stuff and um, a fair bit of mainstream, mainstream stuff as well. And the thing I, a bunch of things I came away from, um, lots of people went to see like the business stuff said that uh, the free to play numbers are incredible and terrifying and that's just like king of everything. Um, I saw lots of indie people talking about why they failed, <laughs> which is really useful <laughs> if you're an indie just starting out. Um, but also a lot of talks about indie successes and uh, how ridiculously efficient you can be as a small team or yeah. one guy um, doing everything yourself in an industry where that's actually pretty easy now. The tools exist to just do that yourself without a lot of programming knowledge. And if you do have programming knowledge, you can do it even better. And you can sell your thing on Steam and that costs you nothing. And Steam take a, ki a tiny cut of your sales and they sell it to 45 million people. <laughs> so, so there are people like Cliffy B gave a talk on how, to, how he would start out if he was being an indie right now. Um, and it was actually really good. I was, I was braced for it to be like a horrible misunderstanding of everything <laughs> that makes indie great. But um, he had a few little evil comments in there about, um, uh, in fact, he used the word evil, be evil about stickiness. Um, but in general, he was saying, make something for the PC, um, uh, make an interesting mechanic, make that first to make sure it works before you carry on with the rest of the game. And um, if I was anyone working at a major studio and you know being put through crunch time or working crazy hours, I would have come away from GDC thinking, fucking hell, I'm going to quit my job and go indie because yeah. it's really easy. The thing, the thing that struck me about it was um, GDC always tends to have some form of keynote, or every time I've been there, a keynote where a, um, a, con a publisher or a console manufacturer comes out and says, hey, look what we're doing. Um, Microsoft have done it and Sony have done it, Nintendo have done it. This year they didn't have any of that. And it, it makes you realise that the industry is essentially rudderless. Um, there is no... There is no direction, kind of a. This industry now doesn't have a Microsoft or a Sony kind of directing it where to go. It's just about what is the most efficient way to make people play your game, and um, it turns out there's loads of ways to do that. There's loads of places to get it done, and you don't need you don't need all that stuff. Um, so yeah, if you, like just start making games, guys. Come on, <laughs> like the um, it's mental. Indie, the indie failure stuff I saw was actually really encouraging because most of the ways they failed were just incredibly stupid. <laughs> just like, well, like our lead designer never really communicated with us on any level, so yeah, <laughs> what the hell we were doing? Or um, like, oh, we didn't really test the core game ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So let's do some questions from Twitter, and then um, then I can be told uh, off. <laughs> told on told on that's what I'm going to be told uh, okay uh, there's some Walmart spam uh, Wesley Knight says please don't talk about the Mass Effect 3 ending I'm only 28 hours in and loving it it's about the journey not the payoff I completely agree, with that. agree. yes um, the thing we wanted to say um, was that Mass Effect 3 is entirely an ending yeah, and it is the payoff, even before you get to the last five minutes, that all these plot lines are paying off, all your decisions are having huge consequences. Yeah, that on game is nothing but payoff. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and he also asks, have you seen anything on the Battlefield 3 DLC packs? Yes. Um, the Battlefield 3 community is getting upset about close quarters combat, um, which is the one that looks like Modern Warfare. 
Um, <laughs> the reason they're making it is because... Uh, <laughs> well, no, because they've got loads of telemetry that says people really seem to like those kind of maps, so they're just giving people... people Grand around. Bazaar is one of the most popular maps, and yeah. it's a kind of tight inner street thing. And they've already said that the next DLC pack will be all about huge maps, including the largest map in any Battlefield yeah. game ever, so... Yeah, get so in the plays. world. <laughs> uh, Destro seven thousand asks, "What does the team think the next Total War should be?" Uh, oh, Total War three thousand, baby. <laughs> I want a sci-fi one. I want anything that isn't historical, so I don't have to know any history to play. <laughs> what was the first one that you said? Did you say Total War three thousand AD? <laughs> Which is an unfortunate no. choice of year, but the gist was it's in the future. I would like in the far, far past. I want cavemen. Yeah, <laughs> dinosaur total war. I yeah. really want um, uh, China total war. I think there's a uh, there's a really mm. interesting kind of Chinese history stuff. Yeah, I could that they really touch on that. Mm. I mean, seven is it seven kingdoms or the seven? I seven don't know. Like the stuff that uh, <laughs> the seven things of Chinese history. Yeah. Yeah. Seven. Samurai, you know the stuff that's no, no, not seven. <laughs> you know, um, hero. Uh, that era of Chinese history is amazing. Yeah, mm. I like actually. They talked to Dan Grell, uh, Opolis, for us in an interview, and they talked about like Mesoamerica total war mm-hmm. where you have to sacrifice civilians yeah, yeah, yeah. to get power and stuff like that that would be really cool <laughs> mm-hmm. okay uh, Viv Baker asked do beaters take the fun out of release game you eventually play and should beaters be for everyone well I mean it depends on the kind of beta you're talking about you're talking about a test or you're talking about a demo like yeah. I think when stuff with like story content I would not want to play a beta of a game that I'm pretty sure I'm going to like yeah and that's not necessarily bad for the people who are trying to test it as well, because often with a beta, you don't really want all of the biggest fans who are already definitely going to buy it to give you their feedback. You kind of want the feedback from people who are not sure if they're going to like it. Yeah. Um, yes. I think like the, the CSGO and Dota 2 beats have been really fun for me. Um, but all that I've got out of the uh, Mr. Pandera beta is, oh, all this content is going to be data mined before... Um, mm before I get to play it. It's difficult with expansions and things, particularly. Yeah. When you've got, especially for an MMO, you've got an existing character. Like, yeah. Like, uh, Jeff Bridges asks, why does hearing the title Legend of Grimrock make me think, me, Grimlock, crush you? It's because you're a human. Because you're Jeff Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and Phil, uh, Joshua pa- Jos- Josiah Pang asks, how was Josh's trip to Iceland? Uh, we sent Josh and Owen to CCP to learn about Dust, Eve, World of Darkness, Dust's coming to PC. Like you just have to accept <laughs> yeah. that Dust is coming to PC. They've, they've basically said as much, or they've said, "Oh, we can't say anything right now." Wink, 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 <laughs> wink, 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 nudge, nudge, wink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's about it from Twitter questions. I think we may have tweeted the questions a little bit too late. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else? No. <laughs> is there anything? Yes. No. It's <laughs> a roller coaster ride. Maybe, 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 maybe. No. Quick, <laughs> <laughs> someone ask us something now. Oh wait, you can't hear us. Okay. It's the past. That seagull wanted. No, he just wants to go car. Yeah. Okay. So um, that's it. We've all got to go and um, discuss our futures. Um, uh, <laughs> Say we. Um, Chris, well done. Thanks. I don't wonder why I said that. Um, <laughs> I think I think it's, I take you're it just, back. You're just <laughs> amazed every time the chip in my brain. Yeah, fails. To see, like yeah. 
Um, that was good. Did we have a good podcast? I think that was that? pretty good. I, th- yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, we, all we have to do is wrap it up now. And yeah. <laughs> 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 as long as we don't have <laughs> ending we're bugged it, frankly. Shit, we're really, we're really doing a bad job of this, aren't we? Yeah, let's just all leave. Hey, awkward Sh- goodbyes. Should we just walk out and leave the, leave the <laughs> microphone? Yeah. Right, okay. Um, thank you very much for listening, guys. Uh, we have a website um, and Twitter and, and a a Facebook and a magazine. la dee da look at us. And a bunch of other stuff as well. Ooh. What? Uh, I'll tell you later. Right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>